0: Whether you're single, dating, or engaged, your wedding day is such a beautiful and special day. I know mine was. It was such a fun day where we had almost everyone that we love in the same place at the same time. There's probably never a time in my life where that will happen again. However, planning that day can be extremely time-consuming, really stressful, and definitely expensive. And in many ways, it can take over your life. It certainly felt that way for my wife, Bridget, and me. And because wedding planning is so consuming, we often prepare more for the wedding day than we do for a lifetime of marriage, which is obviously backwards, but that's where marriage preparation comes in. Marriage prep, or premarital counseling, is meant to refocus you on the marriage, which is naturally more important than the celebration. And so, in this episode, we discuss what marriage prep looks like and why it's important, We share the main cause of dysfunction and divorce, according to my guests. We hit on what can be done to better help people who come from broken families to build great marriages where they're not just surviving and staying together, but actually thriving. We expose a sneaky thing that can really sabotage anyone's marriage. We talk about an assessment to help you understand the reality of your relationship heading toward marriage. And finally, my guests offer advice and encouragement for leaders of marriage prep programs. So if you hope to be married one day or maybe you lead marriage prep, this episode is for you. Keep listening. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce, separation, or broken marriage, so you can feel whole again. I'm your host, Joey Panarelli. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 73 today I have two guests on the show the first one is Father Daniel Chucci he probably has the shortest bio I've ever seen which certainly does not sum him up as a person but here it is Father Daniel has been a Catholic priest for five years and he serves as pastor of most precious blood parish in Denver, Colorado My other guest is Deacon Colin Coleman. He was baptized a Catholic, but he wasn't raised as a Catholic, and he first encountered the faith in our Lord in a real way at age 21, just before he married his wife, Maria. After getting married, Deacon Coleman helped found the St. Vinny's Youth Movement in New Zealand. He's a Kiwi, and his accent is awesome. I'm excited for you to experience that. And then he was asked by the bishop to join the diocesan youth team as director, a position he held for two years. Desiring to deepen his faith and his relationship with God, Deacon Coleman and his wife joined the community of the Beatitudes in 1993, joining in a Beatitude house in France that was only a few miles away from Lourdes, a popular pilgrimage center. They were then asked to help found the Beatitude house in Christchurch, New Zealand, where they stayed for nine years. They were then led to the United States to assist in the mission in Denver, Colorado, where he serves the parish as a deacon at St. Catherine of Siena. On behalf of the Archdiocese, Deacon Coleman teaches and provides formation for engaged couples preparing for marriage. As part of his responsibilities with the Beatitude community, he assists in the formation of new members and ongoing formation of existing members. Deacon Coleman was ordained a deacon in 2011 and has been married to Maria for the past 33 years, and they've been blessed with seven children, four daughters, two sons, and one son waiting for them in heaven. He's currently working at the Archdiocesan Marriage and Family Life Office as the Marriage and NFP Specialist. Now, if it wasn't obvious up to now, uh, I wanna give a little disclaimer. We're talking to a Catholic priest and a Catholic deacon. Now, we try hard to make this podcast for anyone, regardless of their religious beliefs. That being said, we let our guests share their beliefs. And so today, you're gonna, again, hear from a Catholic priest and a Catholic deacon who naturally share their worldview. Now, if you're not Catholic or perhaps you're not even Christian or you don't believe in God, I'm so glad you're here. And my challenge to you is this, listen with an open mind. I guarantee that you'll benefit from this episode, even if you take all the God parts out. And if you disagree with something that we say in this episode, there's nothing wrong with that. We offer some resources at the end to learn more about what we're discussing, because so often when we disagree with things or with people that we don't really understand, we don't really look into both sides of the argument. I think we owe it to ourselves and to the people on the other side of the table to really look into both sides of an issue. Now, with that said, I did want to mention that there's two types of deacons in the Catholic Church. I didn't want you to be confused through this episode. There are permanent deacons and transitional deacons. Transitional deacons are not married because they're on the way to become priests, and so unless they're a part of a different rite or sect that allows married priests, they aren't going to get married. Permanent deacons can be married because they're not on the way to become priests, and so the deacon in this interview is a permanent deacon, so he'll be talking about his wife. I just didn't want you to be confused. So, with all that taken care of, here's my conversation with Father Daniel and Deacon Coleman. Father and deacon, thank you so much for being here. I'm happy. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Good to be with you. Well, I guess, Father, thank you for letting us come to your house and oh, report here. This is great. I want to jump in. Uh, Father, if you would, uh, what do we mean when we say marriage prep for anyone who maybe doesn't really know what we're talking about?
1: Beautiful. Um, So there's actually a lot of underlying presuppositions for why do we need to prepare ourselves for the sacrament of holy matrimony, right? With baptism, right? The uh, parents and godparents get prepped, but the kid doesn't get prepped, right? Thank Thank goodness. goodness. That would be hard. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then why does the couple need to be prepped? they're the ministers of the sacrament of holy matrimony. And so the husband and wife to be the bride and groom, they're the ones who, uh, who contract marriage legally speaking. Mm-hmm. And so it's their own will, their own consent. And so when we say marriage prep, I begin marriage prep by actually asking them, can you tell me what an annulment is? Mm, interesting. And which is some people think is a really depressing way to start, but <laughs> I, I totally redeem it. You know, we say an annulment is a declaration. Well, first of all, they say, they like to say Catholic divorce. Like this is a special kind of marriage that like, you know, if you pay enough money, you can get it canceled so you can get remarried. So, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, does not work that way. Yeah. <laughs> right. An annulment is a declaration that one or both of the parties had a defect in their will. Mm hmm in terms of expectations of indissolubility, the fact that marriage uh, lasts till death do we part. Exclusivity, I give myself to you and to only you, a life of sacrifice, a life of children. Are you open uh, to the children that God gives you? And then within each of those, that will needs to be fostered. Mm-hmm. That's what marriage prep is, is strengthening the will that they bring to the altar. Anyone can say yes on the day of their wedding. Mm-hmm. Anyone can even mean yes on the day of their wedding, but everyone brings both strengths and weaknesses or defects of will to the altar as well. Mm -hmm. And so marriage prep is trying to strengthen those deep, find them, strengthen the defects of will to make the couple annulment proof. Mm. That's what I also tell them. And sometimes they're like, whoa, that's intense. And I was like, but that's great because you love each other.
0: (laughs) I didn't sign up for this.
1: (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. no. Roundabout way of saying, when we say marriage prep, we're strengthening the will, the consent, to be able to more fruitfully receive the blessing of God through the mediation of the church. But they themselves, the bride and the groom, are the the ministers of the sacrament of holy matrimony.
0: Makes so much sense. And we prepare for so many things in life. And it makes sense that marriage would need to be one of them. And it's really sad that we don't prepare more. I mean, you were in seminary for years preparing to become a priest, and deacon, you went through your own training as well. But it seems like there's just this mad rush to the finish line for a lot of married couples, or engaged couples, I should say. Um, and sadly, the marriage might suffer because we're so focused on the wedding, we're just so focused on our future life together, not the actual sacrament. Anything you would add about um
2: you know what marriage prep is and why it's important sure and in that way you know that idea of strengthening the will is is allowing the couple also to say yes freely in that way so that they know that when i say yes uh, in in freedom that i am saying yes until death do we part Mm -hmm. and so it's preparing them to as they enter into um, give themselves to each other through their vows that they're Um, saying yes to all of these things, good times and bad, for better or for worse, sickness and health, um, is those moments where, yeah, because of the daily situation we will be challenged, but my goal is to bring, as we would say through the church, bring my my spouse to heaven, that knowing that we are going to die, that that this idea of being able to live with this person and... um, and be a source of really life in the community, and say say um, say yes in a in a free way, so mm-hmm. that, and our will needs to be strengthened in that, and it's 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 so important, and so being able to um, prepare them for that moment, which is also difficult as well, as you were saying, they're caught up with so many. Organizational details yep. um, and the Instagram culture that they're caught up with is uh, they often forget that idea of what my yes is actually saying, and so and it's a real gift that the church is offering this in, the, in a way that it does give the the opportunity for couples to reflect. Mm-hmm. They have the time to actually say, "Well, what am I saying yes to, and am I doing it freely?" Yeah, no, it's so good. It's it's so necessary. And going back to that
0: point of like why it's important. I don't remember the statistics, perhaps you two might, but those couples who do go through any sort of marriage prep or premarital counseling, their odds of having a successful marriage uh, is much higher, or at least from what I've heard. Do you guys recall the statistics? If
2: if not, that's okay. So each demographic is, depends on the data that you see, right? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but the the Catholic divorce rate is pretty much the same as the as the state. Mm-hmm. But we so that go, also goes back to: Do I have the will to carry out what I'm trying to live? I have the experience because I lead lead some um, couples through marriage preparation, and about three to five years later, they'll give me a call. Not everyone, thanks be to God, yeah. but you know um, one or two out of the hundreds that I deal with. And I asked my first question I asked them is, "Were you able to implement some of the stuff that we went through in marriage prep?" And their answer is always no mm. they and so the idea of mm. saying yes, am I strengthening my will am I in, in, int, intentional in living out that uh, moment because our will, if it 's not um, strengthened through practice, is going to fail, yeah, and so that idea of when we talk about divorce or marriages being s- successful. Um, is is encouraging couples to be intentional, living out their vows as mm-hmm. well. Okay, now that makes sense. I went to Franciscan University, and
0: there's kind of this myth going around that we have like a higher divorce rate than maybe the rest of society. I haven't been able to find any data on that, so it's just a myth uh, when it comes to Franciscan University alumni. But um, it is true that a, there's still a lot of couples I, I know more than a handful at this point who they both went to this good catholic university and now they're getting divorced and mm. it's so sad to see that and i'm sure you guys know people like that as well so
1: yeah i think there's a supposition that if you pray x amount of rosaries or go to at mm. least two daily masses a week <laughs> therefore your marriage is guaranteed protected and yeah you're like uh that's not
0: that's not how it works well let's say there for a second what's the mismatch there you know obviously there's a lot of brokenness i think people bring into marriage and that certainly plays a big role in the issues that they face and whether or not it succeeds or not, they stay together, they have, you know, hopefully a happy marriage. But yeah, what have you guys seen in marriages that they do maybe have some good formation, they do have this good background, but then somehow they end up in a position that they never thought they would be, where they're getting divorced or things are just really dysfunctional?
1: I think residually part of the culture, right? Go back to our grandparents. They came from a generation Mm -hmm. where, you know, he came back from World War II, Mm -hmm. saw some gal in, in the living room at his party and said, I'm going to marry her. And then they did. And then they got married three months later. They had maybe one to two meetings with the priest. That was what marriage prep, But that came from a culture where you did what you said you were going to do. You had a domestic life within the home. You came back, you know, mom and dad dwelt together. Were things perfect? No, humanity is humanity. Mm -hmm. But I think residually in the culture the home life was so important there was such mm-hmm. a gravitational pull the ability to um you couldn't escape mm-hmm. you couldn't run to your phone you couldn't stream media and whatever and just run elsewhere and so even just the regular domestic life the 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 sanctifying the home by vacuuming sanctifying the home by painting the the walls right the regular daily life of work that even nowadays we hire that out. We have other people do because we're so stressed. Mm, We're so burdened. We're so whatever. And then I think couples feel really, nowadays feel really difficult bringing their hurt to each other. So then the home's no longer even this place of communion. That may have happened back then as well. Right In those days, you also kind of had the kind of grin and bear it culture. Mm -hmm. And so that's not to say every everyone who was married before 1955 had an automatically sanctified marriage, right? No, no. But again, divorce, kind of public, the stigma of divorce is no longer. But I think that frees couples up to say, we need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to go kind of, yeah, seek the help that they need. Anyways, I don't know, yeah. what do you have to have? Yeah,
2: and just to segue on to that, I think that's, that divorce is an option. Right? Okay. That idea of simply having it on the table is something. Um, one of those... Uh, what i try and do anyway is is that when we speak about vulnerability that it's a very difficult thing for couples to accept and um yeah. you know we we dwell a bit um you know and there's that passage in the bible where um they were both naked yet they had no shame mm-hmm. we, yeah they were naked but there was so much more to that mm-hmm. and that they were totally exposed to one another Mm. Right, they're able to be in their humanity before the other person without shame. DFL, yeah, for And uh, as couples, they it is very, and that's a lifelong process as well to be able to continue to open open up your heart to someone and, and leave it exposed. Mm-hmm. It's scary, right? It's, it's yeah. terrifying for, for some people, especially if they've lived through trauma. And this, I, the other idea that um, we try and reinforce as well is, even though these couples, yeah, they, we have a we we live a pious life being a gift to the other person right? are, are we really allowing ourselves to be that gift or are, are we expecting too much from the other person and not really voicing it are we actually able to bring a, you know, a, a, as Christians, as Catholics the person of Jesus Christ into the midst rather than having that external faith of well I went to mass but how did we seek communion as a couple yeah. and in those times where I think there's a lot of neglect and um, who they are as a couple and yeah. I think with the culture as it is today, um, there's that trap of becoming very functional as a couple. Mm. Like we'll get, we'll get, we'll we'll move in. Denver's expensive, right? So we got to live together, yeah, right. And um, who needs a two bedroom when we can have a one bedroom? And so, right. So we become sexually active, and then you know I think we should make more of a commitment. We should get a dog
1: <laughs> <laughs> as a sign of our undying love for yeah, each other. For, yeah. <laughs>
2: But this is, you know. But what do you do for a dog? You look after it. And it's very functional. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's no um, giving of yourself in that sense. Well, the dog loves me, right? And it loves me unconditionally. Well, you feed. You don't feed that dog for three days, and tell me how much that dog loves you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and so these kind of things, um, where you know this natural, you know, um, when we're talking about the 1950s, there there was this expectation of bringing children into the family, and so you then you see your love. Yeah, manifested through 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 that child, um, and so it's you can't be manifested through a dog. And they, I like dogs, yeah, by the way, me too. Yeah, but um, it, you can't see it truly manifested. And I think that's where yeah. couples, especially faith, we and I'm doing air quotes, faithful couples. Yeah. There's not that often, and it's not a reason, but it's one of the factors that I think there's no there's not a vulnerability, but they and so there's not that emotional connection. There's more of a functional relationship, yeah. and so. I always say people are generally annoying, right? And so if you're living <laughs> one, living with one, um, I was like, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> even celibates recognize that. Yeah. But if you're living with someone, by goodness, and if it's a yeah. function, if it's a functioning, re- functional relationship, yeah. those uh, annoyances are just going to become manifested, and then yeah. often the the phrase is said, "I don't love you anymore," right? Yeah, or you're not
1: the person I fell in
2: love yeah. with. Yeah, yeah,
1: which is more of a statement of my personal preference. Yeah. Than of you changed somehow.
2: You're not yeah. doing your job properly in the relationship, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's
1: so funny that you brought up, um, you know, naked without shame. So many of these couples come to us already, you know, sexually active, whatever they met on Tinder, you know, um, whatever it is, and they'll they'll come already have having tasted the fruits of those intimacies. Yeah, but then you ask them to pray together, and it's so awkward. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I, I, they're afraid of being judged, and you're like. But this is the person with whom you feel you feel comfortable, you know, being naked. Yeah. but it's not just physical nakedness. It's the like, what are the other wounds? Who you know, who's the embarrassing sixth grade version of me that you don't yet know about, or or my dysfunctional family behind me, mm. uh, and 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 so they can kind of share a certain part of their life, but still kind of withhold the vulnerability, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be, uh, and then that's that's super preventative from whole from communion with one another mm-hmm. and then to go back to the 50s uh, round out this thought i think you you in those days a man and a woman went from a family and then formed a family mm. Mm. and that's the notion that we still have in the ceremony of the father giving away his daughter that she's literally handed over and as a prized jewel, as a, uh, you know, a a pinnacle of God's creation. But so often we have either broken families, like weddings. I always have to ask, like, what are the the family dynamics when everybody shows up to this wedding? Because rarely is it a bride and a groom coming from an intact family, and they seek to form that intact family. But again, in certain marriage prep, we're trying to strengthen the will so that they can will, by God's grace, To live that out in the daily boring Tuesday mornings of of marriage, not just Saturday nights and Friday nights when, when everything's awesome.
0: Yeah, so good. And uh, you know, it's some the majority of our audience comes from broken families. So I'm glad you're bringing that up, Deacon. What you were saying before about kind of running the home or the family as like a business. Mm. I know it's honestly a tendency in me, and I think in American culture, especially like type A people, people like me. Um, yeah, that functional can be very tempting, especially because I like run. You know, a company yeah, and then I run this nonprofit as well so it's like well marriage is different and our marriage counselor would like try to remind me of that like again and again when we gone to marriage counseling it's like this isn't a business this isn't going to be efficient so I think it's an important reminder to, to hear I did want to go into I know each of you have um, your own form of marriage prep so I'd love to learn kind of what that looks like like if, if a couple listening right now were to go through it what would they do uh, what, what's the agenda like and so on father you want to start
1: So there's going to be a lot of commonalities because we both do ministry within the Archdiocese of Denver, and there's kind of prerequisite Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, requirements for that. Um, So one would be the focus inventory, which a lot of couples are like, how did we do on the test? They want to know like x percentage it is not a taste. yeah, not a test it's not it's not gonna give you red, light, green light,
0: Are you good to go or not? yeah, um, I kind of saw it like that, but I had to fight against that too. I was like, wait, it's not a test, it's just like an indicator, and it's
1: that. so funny because we even have instructions from that company to not give them the full results for a couple of reasons one right, right. they don't wanna you don't want them to quantify the relationship, mm, yeah, like we're only uh eighty six percent good on finances, but sixty two percent on uh <laughs> extended family issues or whatever it is, yeah. It just kind of, it's an inventory that says, hey, this couple, based on their responses, has less agreement around the area of finances, friends, hobbies, bonding activities, whatever it is, and then the relationship comes to life. That's why I, as a celibate priest, I send them, uh, I, I go through their focus inventory once with them, mm-hmm. and then I send them to another couple. I always say, I'm a really good mechanic, I just don't drive the car, mm. Right. And so I don't have the driving skills, but I can fix a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things in the confessional. I've seen a lot of things in my office. I've heard a lot of things at 1130 at night when crap's going down and they call me, right? Yeah. So I send them to couples who are living the life of holy matrimony Mm -hmm. because I can provide a lot of the theology and the theory, but they also need that on the ground. So focus would be one thing. Natural family planning would be another thing. Um, Again, I... uh, I send we send that out elsewhere to specialists, mm-hmm. um, cause there's a lot of biological needs now, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. um, with, with that. Would you explain NFP for people who don't know? Yeah. Natural
1: family planning. So even if, uh, for those who are non-religious, it's such an empowering tool for women, especially that way they don't have to be kind of the gatekeepers in the relationship or depend on, you know, chemicals or plastic to kind of. In regards to contraception. In regards saying. to contraception. Yeah. yeah. Um, they don't have to depend on that to just kind of control the aspects of their life. Again, when they when a couple says, I give myself to you fully, faithfully, fruitfully forever, part of that is, I give you the gift of my ability to reproduce. Mm-hmm. I give you my, my biological fecundity, mm-hmm. right? And so the church has uh, a teaching around contraception that to withhold a portion of yourself is actually going to spiritually sterilize the relationship as well, plus... The other way I like to explain it is, um, you know, if, if little Johnny gets to eat an Oreo whenever he wants, even if he can metabolize that Oreo, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's going to change his character, even Mm. if it doesn't change his weight. Mm. And so I think so many, especially guys come into marriage thinking, Oh boy, I get to be intimate as often as I want, right? There's actually a question on the focus inventory that says (laughs) it's question number 10. I love it. Uh, it's my exp- I, I expect that our, our life of intimacy will be affected by changes in mood and da-da-da in like three other circumstances. And without fail, women always say yes, and men always say no. And that's right. And you're like, welcome <laughs> to yeah. male and female. <laughs> I love it. So we have, we have those ingredients, and then there's a yeah. theological retreat. Uh, over the course of the pandemic— I'm not, I don't love online marriage prep because mm-hmm. I say your marriage doesn't happen online. Why should your marriage prep happen online? And there are, of enough. course there's circumstances, uh, couples in the military, first mm-hmm. responders, things like that, where, where their schedule is super taxing. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but even we have workarounds for that. So every now and again, online, the theological portion of marriage prep is, is fine. I personally meet with them about five times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we try to send them to an in-person marriage prep retreat, mm-hmm. a retreat experience that centralizes on prayer, that centralizes on theology of the body. But in just in my meetings with them, I always start out with, um, great, tell me about your last big fight, your LBF and you get the couples that, you know, they don't mind throwing spaghetti against the wall to the ones that are very cute, and they're like, oh, Father, we never fight. Mm, we,
2: <laughs> we love each other. Yeah, and I'm like, great.
1: Uh, when's the last time your blood pressure was raised? <laughs> right? Like, we can redefine the terms here, yeah. but often it's the ones that quote-unquote don't fight uh, that have kind of a more sinister difficulty because yeah. it looks better on paper. And sometimes if you're always walking on eggshells or you come from a place where there's a lack of freedom to be expressive, Mm -hmm. there's a lack of freedom to, um, to bring up hard things, conflict, right? Not only are people are annoying, but, but my future spouse has a darkened intellect, a weakened will. And on top of those things is going to, from time to time, be selfish. And then I'm going to have to suffer from that. And so do I have the skills? The reason I ask about last big fight is I don't care about the fight. I care about teasing out what's important because at the center of a fight is what do I love? Mm. What's important to me? Yeah. And does my does my future spouse recognize that? Am I known by him or her? And then do we have the skills to communicate that? If not, then let's go through it. And if we do, do we also have the skills to forgive? Because there is no fight that can't strengthen the relationship if there's the will to do it. Mm-hmm. There's the will to strengthen that relationship. Mm -hmm. Just like how do you build muscles? You break muscle fibers Mm -hmm. by lifting heavy weights. And in the breaking and the repairing with good nourishment, with good sleep, with good everything else, it actually comes back stronger. And so fights are absolutely no problem. So I start out with that. And then other uh, modules, it just depends. I have them make a genogram.
0: Yeah. I love this part of your, which is,
1: uh, so they come in and it's essentially a really complicated family tree that also shows kind of emotional lines and things like that. Who, who doesn't talk to who or who loves who or, or whatever, Mm -hmm. how much. And so I say, how much divorce is going on in this, how much alcoholism, Mm -hmm. how much, um, what's, what's the economic outlook on each of these families? Because again, you're not just marrying your fiance, you're getting the whole family too. And this whole family was part of their marriage prep long before they showed up in father's office,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? That's what we call the remote marriage prep. Deacon and I are the proximate marriage prep. Mm -hmm. We're the, like, kind of the last last finishers with that. And so their concept of what marriage is, of what marriage looks like, of how to live it on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. right, may look very different than what gets preached at the pulpit or even what they hear within our office. Yeah. We talk about the role of sexual pleasure in marriage, which is kind of awkward in my first two or three couples. (laughs) But it's like, heck, if I... uh, I, It's no longer awkward for me, but it's one of those, like, if I get all, like, clammy and weird, then I don't... I'm afraid that I, I would give the impression that, you know, sex is actually... Like, gross, dirty, and disgusting, and God only puts up with it for more babies, right? right? Which is so the opposite of theology mm, of the body. Yeah, it's a and puritanical
0: so, point of view.
1: Exactly. And so, especially even couples that have already been engaging with each other sexually, it's a really beautiful thing for them to experience validation from the church, not only in their desires, even if they don't have the proper forum for it yet, but also to say, this is where this this gift from God belongs, and this mm-hmm. is how how you can put it to use in a way that's spiritually fruitful. Mm -hmm. Go back to NFP, go back to Johnny. Johnny doesn't, most parents don't let Johnny eat an Oreo whenever he darn well pleases. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of living natural family planning is there are times to come together to be intimate, there are times to not, which then makes the couple yearn for each other and has the positive result of teaching men especially to express physical non-sexual affirmation towards... Their their wives, mm-hmm. right? And so there's just so much genius in the life of the church that we're seeking to um, add there. So
2: yeah, no, yeah I, I agree. Good. This whole idea of, um, especially when they come to us, myself and father, they're they're already being formed in a way of, of how to think. And so this this idea of with the church's desire when we speak about remote preparation, that's preparing the couple from their family and and them seeing their family life. Flourish in marriage, but more than often that's not the case. And and you know um, this the horrible statistics of of divorce, which is one and two. So mm. even the idea of what love is, yeah. right? And and when we speak about love, the church has a beautiful um, grace of that. Especially you know if we really want to even bring in the person of Jesus Christ, that whole idea of self sacrifice for um, his church, and so. For, for, for myself, it, it's, it's similar with father, of course. We have, you know, certain criteria that we have to follow. Um, but for me, I really want to establish a relationship with them as well mm-hmm. you know, to know, because they do come in thinking, well, I've got to, f-, and the first, often our first meeting is there is some paperwork involved. And sure. so it's a uh-huh and um <laughs> and then the focus which literally looks like a test yeah uh, um uh, and, and even though you say it many many times they'll come back and say you know did i pass or how was the test did but I this pass? is, this, I love is it. <laughs> this is a beautiful thing because they do want to quantify it yeah you know? yeah it but the sense. the idea is because they haven't nine times out of ten they haven't been married before and they're they're you know between uh 20 and 30 more or less uh and um so they're entering into this relationship, even though they're um, maybe living with this person mm-hmm. um, they don't have the they don't have the knowledge to ask those questions mm-hmm. right or even you know uh, the focus again speaks about pets mm. and um how we how we deal with those and um welcome them into a, the family so the main thing i want to try and do is walk with them uh, and i want to hear their story as well like that ge- the, 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 the the gene the genealogy in the family uh, that's encouraging w- why are they here right now what what brought them here what's their story to hear and yeah. it's not when they first met or things like that it i want a bit larger like what i what is your story because mm. that's the story you're bringing into to make your story as a couple right and so, we, yeah, we go through, and, um, and it is such a joy to share uh, what the church actually teaches, because, mm-hmm. you know, I often remind couples, you know, the church has been doing this for almost 2,000 years, right? So she's kind of worked out a bit of stuff. Yeah. And I always speak that you know, as we speak, as the church is feminine. It's she, she, as a mother, she loves us, so she's trying to work out all these kind of things to help us grow, and um, and even sharing this idea of the church was very prudish before and didn't really speak about sex. I have this beautiful document from 1951, mm. where Pope. Uh, Pope Pius the twelfth, I think, is saying, "Sex is joyful and pleasurable, and and couples should be encouraged to uh, engage in that." Nice, uh,
0: boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I'm> like, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: And if you read anything that uh, jump on the second road, you realize for that sure. And then you know, there's there's this he wrote it. that beautiful book, Love and mm-hmm. Responsibility. and yeah. he, he actually goes into more detail into that. Hundred percent. And I don't know what the rating is over this po- podcast, but I won't go into it. But it's <laughs> very explicit. But how? But yeah. also how beautiful it can be especially if uh, if a man is there to seek the good of his spouse right and 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 to seek her good and all of that mm. and it's beautiful that father was saying about nfp I, I know even with and i bring i bring a lot of my own personal story into it as well because sure. i'm i'm a convert to the faith and um and in my marriage as a deacon i'm a permanent deacon I'm married with um we, we welcome children into our family it's been a beautiful thing but i know uh, when we were first engaged my wife had to finish, was finishing college, and we, didn't, we want, didn't want to start a family. And so I said, when are, you, when are you going on the pill? And she went, I can't do that. It's, you know, it wasn't good for us. And so we, mm. uh, and it so, I thought, Well, we already decided we weren't going to have children for two years. What am I going to do? And I was a bit worried because I didn't even have a membership to a gym or anything like that. What am I going to do with all this energy? <laughs> and so here it was this idea of, through periodic abstinence, because also in a, natural family planning teaches the actual biology of, of male and female. And it shows women often who don't even know that mm-hmm. their fertility is a cycle and um, they're only actually fertile for a short period of time during that cycle. And so if they engage in sexual activity during that time, it is not an accident. It's actually doing what your bodies are supposed to be doing. Sure. Uh, if a baby comes. And so here, that idea of abstaining during, th- during that short period of time, like, and again, it literally pr- changes the brain chemistry mm-hmm. of a man to to abstain and, and desire intimacy, often through non-sexual touch. It, it enables a man, and I like to phrase it in the way of, it actually changes his gaze towards his wife. Mm. He sees her... As, her, as she's supposed to be seen, mm-hmm. not as uh, a, uh, an object of his lust, a, a, an object of his arousal. And so these beautiful things, we try and um, speak to them, but often that's a new language as yeah. well. I was actually just finishing a class last night, and a guy wrote, uh, put up his hand, he said, everyone keeps talking about sacraments, what are they? Mm. So for a Catholic, it's like, yeah, we know what sacraments is. I know there's more than three, but, you know, if... Um, um, and so we had to. Uh, so I actually had to once again realize some of the language that we're even using. And so it's walking with them enables them, and hearing their story. It's um, I'm able to you know um, hear what their la- what language they're actually speaking. So we can bring um, this idea of marriage prep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also speaking the truth as well. Eh? Um, I hopefully they've walking with them. They've realized that I'm kind of a logical and normal person. Even though my therapist says otherwise, <laughs> yeah. you weren't supposed to say that. Loud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. But I also, you know, if, I, I, I often use the phrase. I say, if you're getting married and the church says that marriage is this, then it can't be something else. And so, what you're doing is in itself very, very sacred. Mm-hmm. And so, this is why we're encouraging to work very hard at it. But it's it, often people say marriage is hard work. Yeah, it's good work. Mm. Right? It's it's good work, yeah. If we're willing to be that gift to the other person, yeah. So it's really just encouraging them to get into that mindset as they move along, so that. And I also, and so my goal is, yeah, I'll, I'll get you ready for the day, mate. Mm-hmm. Right? We'll do all the stuff that we need to do for the day for the ceremony. That's no problem, but that is not my goal. And I say to them, uh, my goal is old and wrinkly, right? because that's where it is. Um, and so, and I say, you know, yes, you, will, you want to stay married until death, but if you have that goal, at least you'll be close. Beautiful.
0: Thank you both. And so, basically, what I'm hearing is marriage prep is, in a way, training. That's a, at least the last part of training to prepare people to hopefully have a beautiful, loving, successful marriage. And you're going through all the different things that the church teaches, which through its 2,000 years around um, in existence, it's learned that these are the things that help people have like really beautiful marriages that
2: stay true to the nature of the human person. Any final thoughts on that before we move on? Well, I think that, um, like you were talking about screens, in our culture more and more today, is marriage is under threat or marriage is, uh, is at risk um, because there are so many distractions. And even if, uh, a simple thing of having screen-free evenings can really bring greater intimacy to a couple. And so that idea of recognizing that we are entering into a, a relationship that is not actually supported by our culture, and so therefore we have wow. to be more attentive to each other.
1: Yeah, and I yes. think the the beauty of marriage prep is, even just on a natural level, so apart from the fact that we're preparing the couple to receive the grace of God, we're inviting them to begin to pray with each other, if, if they've never done it before, mm-hmm. or I love marriage prep with uh, a Protestant and a Catholic. Mm. Because then you say, "All right, why don't we close in prayer?" And the Protestant can just say, "All right, Father God, we just come before you right now," and we they they can just dive right in. Yeah. And the Catholics like, "Um, Father, Son, Hail Mary, (laughs) full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Right. And because again, expressive prayer is vulnerable. It it puts myself out there, and and it, but it invites. What we're trying to do is invite their their relationship. Uh, with God and with each other to both grow closer, which, you know, that's an image of a triangle as the two points grow up the line to reach the top point. They also grow closer to one another. God
0: being the top. God being the top. The two ends. Yep.
1: Yep. And so, uh, so you have that by way of grace, but even for those who are not religious or those who have left the church, I just, I always say find a therapist or find someone who's willing Mm. to fight for the good of your, of your relationship because you both are flawed and that's indisputable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? And so ha- to have we you know we call it a transcendent third god mm-hmm. uh, and then mediated by the church and mediated by you know priests deacons uh, lay faithful but even if someone doesn't feel that they have access to the church in that regard to find just another person again a therapist or someone else who can just poke to find the tender spots of the mm-hmm. relationship and mediate good helpful fruitful communication between the two of those that's a great step forward and then later if they seek the grace of that that the church desires to offer again in freedom not because grandmother you know will pay for the photographer or mm-hmm. because of a catholic guilt trip that they just need to get it done in the church mm. but the free choice to say yeah so to have to have another walk with the couple no matter mm-hmm. the circumstance mm-hmm. is just going to be powerful and that's open to everybody
0: yeah. No, beautiful. It, it makes so much sense. And you two have obviously worked with a lot of different couples. I'm curious. I, I kind of asked this question before, but I want to hear if you have anything to add to it. What do you see as the main cause of dysfunction and divorce? Uh, so the couple's hopefully listening right now, whether they're married, engaged, dating, can work against those things, those factors. Again, you touched on this before. I'm just curious. Like, What are those main causes of dysfunction and divorce that we can fight
2: against? Deacon? Yeah, that's idea of you know if we go back to that piece of scripture, naked without shame is, is because um, my emotions are going to come and I'm going to be f- angry, frustrated, joyful, happy, sad, um, and ha- but how do I? Um, come before the other person um, still, you know, we use the language still seeking their beauty and their dignity, right mm-hmm. how, uh, but, but I'm but being, uh, allowing myself to have those emotions mm-hmm. and so that idea of I, I, I like to use the analogy of having two, two um, French doors I suppose on your, on, your, on your heart is that how you say it? <laughs> you know, and just having those open right, and so somebody can just look in and uh so the and and often we don't have the skills for that i i mm-hmm. said a couple straight away right. yeah. communication is a skill um entering into these kind of moments of reflection is a skill and being used to that and so um yeah and, and uh, w- walking with the church there are there are deacons priests there's lay faithful but if they're not there's is walking with a counselor uh, to to have those moments of vulnerability and growing in that it's not because that their marriage is struggling that they need a counselor is they need a counselor to keep their marriage strong right and these ideas of growing in that skill and i uh, also that muscle memory of being able to share who i am or having even having even having moments mm-hmm. it comes back that whole functionality of a of a um, of a couple you know i'm i'm tired so i'm going to sit in front of um, I don't know what is it now. Instagram, what's the latest one? Yeah, TikTok. TikTok, right? TikTok, yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> but sit in front of there for three, uh, three hours because I deserve it. I've had a hard day. Yeah, right. Rather than being intentional than in, in um, seeking a relationship with with my spouse. Um, and so, because when we talk about priorities um, for a Christian marriage, it's God. So you can you know you can say lovingly to your wife, "You're number two in my life, sweetheart right um but this idea of is my spouse the top priority uh, mm-hmm. in, in in my in my life yeah. right and it's it's that idea of being able to work intentionally at it, and it's not something we can get lazy at as well, yeah, and I think that's where easy to do. It is easy to do because it's it's tough work, and um, but it's. A, I keep reminding, if it's a good work, it's worth it, right? Yeah. If we were, if we had to get up every day and um, I don't know, press a button or do a certain exercise to maintain world peace, we would do it, right? Mm-hmm, sure. Even though it was tough sometimes, and it's the same thing with a relationship, and I and and once again going back to that idea of having divorce as an option as well. Right now, I'm not. Of course, we can immediately go to those extreme examples where, the uh, you know, church is never saying you know tough it out or le- learn to you know put keep your keep your keep your hands up. Yeah, don't, um, don't like continue to be abused. Like abused. Get to safety. That's yeah. of course. Yeah. Should but go it's these like when we're talking about. Uh, people who are reasonable and and still discovering what love is it's it's actually taking the time that maybe i don't know and i still want to discover it but with you yeah in that sense one uh one myth i think that's out there
0: you touched on it already is this idea that if we really love each other if we're really good for each other then marriage should be easy like it's almost as if things should just fall into place because we love each other and i think the experience of falling in love can give that illusion especially because it's really easy in the beginning of a relationship. Everything's great. <laughs> and then, you know, you realize that you're both human, you're broken, you have flaws, you get annoyed, you know, you get angry,
2: you get whatever. But um, we even see that with, you know, psychologists and the data that's showing there is a, there's a, a couple goes through a cycle. Any long-term committed relationship, mm-hmm. they say, we call it marriage, right? And we'll go through it, uh, uh, a time where they're just don't like the other person, yeah. Right, I, I have no feelings of love towards you, and but sure. that is a natural and healthy thing in, 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 a, in a couple relationship. And recognizing that is being able to okay, we freely get, um, um, desire to enter into this relationship. We we um, we know that love is not a feeling; it's a choice. So today, I'm going to choose to love you, and I'm going to manifest that through my actions. Yeah and so this idea is and and that the data seems to show once again the d- the data is the data that normally happens about three to five years into a marriage mm. wow and if you look at the divorce statistics it's extremely similar yeah yeah that
0: makes so much sense so, so it is we need to learn these skills it's not just a matter of like oh we feel really good about each other we love each other in the emotional sense not the action sense of the word so father i'm just curious from your point of view anything to add to that and what do you see as like at the root of a lot of dysfunction and divorce? Yeah, uh, similar
1: similar to what Deacon said, I think it's um, an unwillingness to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Right? How many how many people do their own taxes anymore? Very few. They ask for help from you know software companies to people. Right? Yeah. Who gives. We we also live in a culture where you can't prescribe yourself medical stuff, even if you are a doctor, right? Yes. So we live in a society where you're interdependent mm. on pretty much everything that you have to go to an expert for someone something else, right? Mm-hmm. Go to lawyers, but in order for them to be lawyers, they have to pass the bar. There's a certain kind of preparation, right? Why do we not do this with marriage? Mm. Why do we not bring our marriage up for a certain kind of maintenance, Right why do couples not take the day off of work for their anniversary and say, let's spend the day together intimately or hash it out or whatever it is. And it's, you know, we'll say busy, busy, busy. Mm -hmm. I once gave a, a, a marriage homily series up at my former parish. And I started out with, we live in a culture that does not tolerate broken cars. We live in a culture where you're pretty much guaranteed to have a car, Mm -hmm. right? There are gas stations everywhere. There are uh, mechanics everywhere. And the way that this country is set up so far apart, and we're not a very ambulatory culture, we pretty much guarantee that you can get access to a car. Mm. Why not? But again, the maintenance, the fueling, why do we not do that with marriage? what's the kind of maintenance required for holy matrimony? If we change the oil every three to six months, what's the equivalent of that in holy matrimony? If we fuel up once or twice a week, what's the equivalent of that in holy matrimony? Mm -hmm. Would that we were a culture that didn't tolerate the failure of marriages because we don't tolerate the failure of cars, but cars require upkeep. So to, uh, Marriages, and so i think it's the hmm. it's the question of the question on people's mind and this is the goal of marriage prep is to move the if we'll stay together to how will, will we stay together because hmm. okay. when people you don't need to actually know how you'll stay together you don't know what the economy is going to do 10 years from now you don't know what jobs are going to be like you don't know what you know kid number two is going to be in relation to kid number one mm-hmm. you, but all you need is moral certitude to say i believe that god is faithful I believe that I have the will. Uh, there was a point at which we were totally in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Feeling is not everything. Mm. And so it's not the question of if we'll stay together. That's got to be off the table. Mm. It's how will we stay together? And then that how begs a willingness to seek help. Wow. Therapists, family, community. And I think we have to destigmatize, just like we've. Unfortunately, destigmatized. Uh, well, we don't love stigmas, so um, but we've de- destigmatized uh, divorce. But we need to destigmatize marital issues, marital mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. Right? Would that a couple could just go to another couple in church and say, "Can we come over tonight? Like we're having a really tough time," and just vulnerably say, "You know, I'm we're hurting, not just I'm hurting." Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. And we don't need to shovel out blame on anyone. Again, everyone's got a bro- uh, weakened will darkened intellect. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's got their own sin. So, of course, this is going to come up. Mm-hmm. So let's create a culture where we don't tolerate the failure of marriages.
0: So good. If people want to listen to those homilies, how do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can send you the audio recordings. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes. There you go. Sounds good. Is this, It's on YouTube or no?
1: Uh, not from my former parish that was the pre-pandemic reality of the church Mm. (laughs) the (laughs) post-pandemic reality of the church what is is live streaming (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly
0: (laughs) we we upgraded the tech of the church yeah I want to shift gears a little bit there's so much we could talk about that forever but I'm curious
2: when it comes to I just want to just segue back to that Um, the other thing I think when we talk about pressure on marriage is you know I'm going to talk about Hollywood (laughs) as a general thing but the idea of um marriage dis- the dissolution of marriage or divorce has become something more of a a thing to aspire to almost or even promote it, like yeah, so you know of course we'll get back together, but it's it's some kind of a drama, and I think mm. the um, as society we've adhered too much to that to think of it as as truth hmm. rather than just entertainment, um, but even then entertainment you know, going back to what father was saying to even not tolerate. Mm. Um, divorce yeah um, this idea where hollywood has really permeated our culture and the more and more we have screens the more and more it is going to be harder to challenge that no I
0: mean,
1: and when we say not tolerate i don't want to set up this like yeah grin and bear it you must suffer and you yeah. have to stay right yeah but again it's all what the are, support systems exactly think, yeah. what i'm advocating for is the support systems right there are the church does have an annulment process because she does envision humanity will contract mm. invalid marriages, sure. which will more than likely, more than like, more likely than not, result in divorce, result mm-hmm. in dysfunction. Sure. And actually, the annulment process, although this is a different podcast, is its own salutary healing mm. mm-hmm. uh, process as well. In view of if one or both parties wants to get married again for the second time, naturally speaking but married for the first time, sacramentally speaking, because again, declaration that the marriage never rose to the level of the sacrament. The natural marriage never rose to the level of the sacrament. Mm -hmm. But when I say we don't want to tolerate divorce, I just want to make sure people don't hear we're Catholic. You have to be stuck in the relationship. You have to stick it out. God wills your unhappiness. God wants your misery. Uh, because, because people who are hurting can hear certain things yeah, and just yeah. and, and it hits them in a certain way. And that's not God desires our happiness. The church yeah. desires our happiness. Yeah. We pursue that through the pursuit of holiness and the life in Jesus Christ. Okay. Amen.
0: Thanks for clarifying that. And yeah, so to anyone listening right now, maybe you're in an abusive marriage, maybe it's not safe. What we always say in the show, and what the church says is get to safety. And as Father was saying, there's a reason a reason for the annulment process perhaps your marriage isn't valid. But I think that the default really needs to be, it's like, even if civilly we need to put up barriers between one spouse and another, because it's not safe for that spouse and the children, there's a difference between the civil marriage and the sacramental or, or the natural marriage bond, which is a deeper reality. And so I think it's some of the most heroic people I know are the ones who maybe perhaps do have a valid marriage. One of the spouses just went off the deep end And the other one, they obviously can't be together because it's not safe or some extreme dysfunction or maybe one of them is being unfaithful and just continuing that lifestyle. You obviously should not live together in that case. But the most heroic people I think I've seen are the ones who have been deserted, have been abandoned. And even in the case of a valid marriage, they stay true to their wedding vows even though their spouse isn't. I have so much admiration for those people. I don't know. That's such suffering and that's a really difficult thing. But I think that gets to the core of like, this is how serious
2: we take these wedding vows. Amen. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I've many examples of that. And I'm sure I agree. I agree with the word heroic. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Lots to say on that one. I hope we covered it okay. Um, When it comes to uh, leading people through marriage prep, um, leading you know marriages overall, guiding them, where do you think we're failing young couples in particular when it comes to marriage overall and especially marriage prep?
1: Where are we failing the couples in their marriage prep?
0: Yeah. Marriage prep and then marriage overall, like you guys have already touched on a lot of this, I think, but it's like, what can we be doing better? Where are we failing them? The, the second question is like, what can we be doing better? But the first one is like, where are we, mm. especially as a Catholic church, like mm. not doing our part to build up these marriages and even prepare people for marriages. Cause one one of the problems that I see is like, you know, we go through marriage prep and then it's kind of like, see you guys like good luck you know, hopefully you make it. And that's honestly just somewhat of a practical thing. I think where you guys, like there's so few resources and there's so few priests. And so I think it's a practical issue, but, um, but I think that's like one area where it's like, okay, we can have lay people step up Mm -hmm. to, you know, and and there's some good initiative going on. I don't want to say that it's dark everywhere, but, um, yeah, I'm just curious. Like, what, what do you see as like, we really are failing here and here.
1: Mm. Yeah. I would say, um, let me answer it obliquely. I think there's a narrative. I think there's an unhelpful narrative that priests are busy. We have a lot to do, but by the way, a priest chooses to pray and to live his life, that determines whether he has a spirit of frantic busyness or not. Hmm. Having an occupied schedule is different than busy. And so many people come up to the priest Father, I know you're so busy, but, or, and, or, or mm. they don't come up to the priest because they fear that he's busy. Mm. Uh, many things, priests can't always control what comes their way, but we can almost always control when it comes our way, minus the pre-scheduled things, right? Sure. We can, you know, reschedule this funeral or this meeting or this whatever. And so I think one way in which the church sometimes does fail people is the inaccessibility of priests. Interesting. And so, um, one of the the things that I've chosen to do in my priesthood is to meet with my couples five times each, and if, you know if I've got a couple, if I'm marrying a, a decent amount of couples in a year, that's a, a number of, of meetings. Mm. But at the same wow. time, how often do I go, I eat dinner every night? Sure, right? Why not combine that? And so so for me, it's to have couples feel like they have access to a priest in their preparatory time. And then they can come back and say, father, we need help mm. or father, whatever it is. I did marriage prep um, for a couple who their first child uh, has was born with Down syndrome. Mm. It was a very kind of difficult time for them in terms of regaging their expectations. Yeah. But it was a really beautiful thing. To be able to try to reach out to them and to make sure they know the church is there for them, but only that that only happens when we're historically walking with people, mm-hmm. when we're setting it up, and so I I think one of the things I would point to is to just make sure that priests and deacons, the, the the hierarchy, the the clergy of the church that that we're with the people mm-hmm. uh, that we're with a couple's a marriage pet because unfortunately a lot of times you have, you know, go see this NFP person, go see this couple. And then you go meet with father once before the wedding. And then mm-hmm. father's like, okay, mm-hmm. where did you meet? What's your love song? I'm just trying to craft the homily for your wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we have so much, and maybe that's, that's what I'm pointing to. We have so much riding on the wedding day and the wedding day is like a fairly darn easy day of your mm-hmm. marriage. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything's pre-scheduled. Some people have coordinators yeah. right if something goes wrong someone else is going to take care of it everyone's there for you right yeah two weeks later not everyone's necessarily there for you right yeah. in the same way sure and so um, i I want married couples to know that the church is there for them in the brokenness of their marriage um, because I have I have other priests brother priests that are there for the brokenness in my priesthood yeah right and I need that support because we all have our own brokenness. Mm. Mm. And so, for the I think for people to hear it from the church more, it's okay to be hurting. It's okay to be broken, Mm -hmm. and it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to ask a priest, to ask a deacon, to ask a counselor, a Catholic counselor, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if we just you know prance around that everything's fine, well, I don't know. Pick up a newspaper and
0: you tell me.
2: Yeah. No. So true, Deacon. You know I agree, and that. I think um, w- the idea of when we talk about marriage prayer, but it, 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 obviously there's a process that you have to follow because you are working towards a date, mm-hmm. right? and and, um, and often a couple comes to us, they've, they've nine times out of ten they have pretty much got a date booked already, okay. right, um, and so they're trying to work in with that. And I think where the church is probably failing is that is that process approach or convey. I, I call it a conveyor belt. We don't want to. Th- Drop the couple on the beginning of the conveyor belt, and then when they drop off the end, it's uh, we're done with them. Yeah, uh, and we try and because you know we, when we talk about this term remote preparation, there's often there's not that much preparation for their life together that's been really engaged in by their own family that mm-hmm. encouraging them to live this life. Um, and it's beautiful when that it does happen, but not 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 very often. So the church often wants to really just shove a whole lot of information into the couples. Yeah. Where it's did you can't? It's, yeah. a, it's a very intense year for them anyway, or sure. or or, or eight, eight to nine months or whatever it is of preparation, and it's it's too much. And so this idea of um, not really journeying with them, but just throwing them on a conveyor belt or putting them into a process, and then out they go. Yeah. So at my previous parish, I had a, a couple from another parish approach me, and their marriage prep was
1: comprised of. Read Casti Canubii, this document from 1931. Read uh, Familias Consortio. Beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but essentially read, read these three papal documents. Yeah. Uh, and if you print them all out, there, it's you know like 100 hundred hundred, and yeah. something pages, right? Um, which that's thick. And you got to be a little trained to read uh, documents. Sure. You can't mm. just pick one up because um, they all connect to each other in, in a web. And no one had been talking with them about their communication. It was, do you go to Sunday Mass.? Mm -hmm. It was, do you do, do you, you know, it was kind of checkbox Catholicism.
0: Mm -hmm. On the spiritual end of things primarily. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No human level, which is uh, where I see marriage is falling apart. It's like the human level. Yeah, exactly. And
1: so they, you know, they had heard that I meet with couples and they're like, father, would you meet with us? And again, you know, busy, but that's not the narrative I want to live out of. And so, It's not just kind of reading theology. It's not Mm -hmm. just yeah. There is a process. Uh, We do want them to be informed of their consent and things like that. Sure, Uh, but also to walk Mm -hmm. to walk alongside them.
2: Okay, yeah. And so that's that's where it is. And um, and failing to have that relationship, right? Because if you know, the next question is, what can we do better? Is that idea of community? Mm -hmm. And generally, Catholics were not that great at it. Yeah. No idea of community on Sunday mass unless there's
1: coffee and donuts. Coffee donuts.
2: <laughs> but even you know during the actual our time of celebration, maybe we'll give a, a slight smile to someone. Yeah, and it was great during COVID, right? Because we didn't even have to do that because we had masks on. Yeah, <laughs> and so the idea of community, right, um, yeah. is, is how can we? Uh, I think we're failing on that as well. Generally, I know there's yeah. some parishes or and a lot of church communities are very uh, intentional about it, but I think overall it's not a catholic thing yeah no i would agree
0: with that it is sad along those lines i'm curious i want to hone in on people who come from broken families in particular so you have people in your marriage prep or maybe one or both of the uh fiancés come from a broken family i'm curious like what what can we do to better help them um in their marriage prep so that they have these successful marriages because one of the things that we see so often is that they end up repeating the cycle of dysfunction and divorce in yeah. their own lives. And so sad. So obviously we want to help them, uh, prevent them from going down that path. But we also want them to thrive and have really beautiful marriages. So what can we do for, what do you think we can do for those people in particular who come from broken families when they're going through marriage prep?
1: I'd say um, one of the processes by which I was formed in, in seminary, um, we have a great seminary here, St. John Vianney. Yeah. In my seven years throughout it, uh, we start with a spirituality year and it's a year of no classes. Uh, sorry, we take classes. There's no grades. So the type a, you know, go getters, they're foiled because now they have to learn for the sake of learning as yeah. opposed to kind of performing. Right. Huh. Uh, there's no, um, we don't have phones, radio, anything. Right. So no technology. And it, and it, it, it takes us out of our element and then this threefold process that they that they gave us, which is both for the year and for the duration of our time in seminary, is self knowledge, self acceptance, self-gift mm. in light of the Lord. Well, right. So it's not just making myself better so that I can do better, so that I can be better, so that you know, as if I can get kingdom of heaven points that way. Mm. But instead, do I understand uh, where I came from, the factors in my life. The Ignatian way is, is be aware, understand, take action. Mm-hmm. So they're very similar. And so just having an awareness of what's my relationship with my dad mm-hmm. and then bringing my my spouse, my future spouse into that because mm. um, they're going to be together in the same room for Thanksgiving at some point, right? So so be aware or or self-knowledge, right? That's why we have in the life of the church the exam and prayer which is not just for you know listing your sins so you can go to confession and uh, uh, and do that but understanding who I am in light of the Lord, my weaknesses, my difficulties so that I can invite my fiance in further uh, into my life mm-hmm. uh, and to be a part a mechanism of my own healing, not just behavior management but so that I have an interior freedom, when I'm around someone who reminds me of my mom or dad when at a very broken time in our family life, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, the freedom of, um, of just being me with, uh, with deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that'd be one thing I would
0: posit. Okay. Deacon.
2: Yeah. And that's, I, even the language that we use when you know, we speak about love a lot in the church. Mm-hmm. And when we come from broken families, that idea of what love actually is. Um, and so yeah, trying sure. to go even deeper into that and to, and so love is um, being able to seek the good of the other as the church would say but how do I do it in my brokenness how do I uh, as a fallen person and, and moving away from the idea of perf- what I think perfection in is love but uh, working towards that um, I'm going to make these steps today mm-hmm. but I know I, 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 I'm, I'm far from it but um, and the more and I think the other thing Father was touching on um, is the more that i 'm able to be vulnerable, um, the more the other person can love me mm-hmm. right The more the other person knows about me and my brokenness, the more than they can actually love me and often we operate out of fear, sure because we 've come from broken families and we 've whatever you know um, uh, li- we try to manage our parents, and that didn 't work out, and those kind of things and and so I need to try and manage what i 'm doing here but rather than just being. Vulnerable towards the other person, which does require a lot of human skill building in a way. Yeah. So that I can have that muscle memory to say, "Look, I'm really frustrated today, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and, and in this situation, and um, and not and 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 not expect a backlash, but uh, for the other person to receive." what you're saying as well you know um yeah because that's where you know the term escalation or arguments is where somebody says oh i'm just feeling really annoyed when you when you when you said that Mm. and that immediately straight away gets the heckles up and yeah rather than saying oh okay so what instead of the skill of maybe paraphrasing what i hear or something like that and uh, so it, and, but it's actually learning what love is for us as a couple, because mm-hmm. right? it uh, coming from a broken culture, a broken family, it's it is very confusing. And you know, and I remember hearing a story, and um, you know, somebody came from an extremely abusive uh, family, and and talking about love was the opposite of what. You know, even uh, the remote thought, uh, you know, uh, what love was, and so being able to saying, yes. "Well, this is actually how you're called to live in," and it's okay, mm. right? It's, it's okay for you, uh, and you're worth it, mm-hmm. right? and all this stuff. And then just to say, you know, um, that I can be this with this other person, mm-hmm. and it, it takes—it's a skill. Right? Yeah. We grow in that idea of communication. It's not, you know, as a as a deacon or a priest. It's not the idea of spirit, you know. Um, it's just not a sp- spirit thing, but it's a it's a training ground where we can become more spiritual, mm-hmm. so to speak. Sure. Yeah, so it's that idea of uh, knowing who I am, growing in who I am so that I can be who I am for, for someone else. So good. Thank it's,
1: it's funny, yeah, when God. you were mentioning, um, you know, you said the word frustrated. That's one of two words that I ban in my office, uh, frustrated interesting. and interesting. Because huh. those are two words that we as Americans tend to hide behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, so a couple will come in and be like, well, I went to his home, uh, met his parents and it was really interesting
0: and <laughs> then they'll move on. And almost
1: always that's, there's something negative going on. Yeah. It's like, great. Do you have the vulnerability to voice your frictional points of contact with your future mother or father-in-law? Mm-hmm with the one whom you love who is supposed to be one of the safest places for your heart to reside that relationship hundred percent and so we jump i jump on those two words interesting or or frustrated and say awesome beautiful i think i know what you're saying and then i reach into the drawer and i pull out an emotion chart Nice. so if you're at home listening you can just google emotion chart pdf and there'll be a number of good ones that come up and then Mm -hmm. you're like Pick two or three other words that point to, because again, entering into the vulnerability of this is the reality of your family and this is how I feel. And mm-hmm. there's no truth that could come up in a relationship that's going to just like break it off just because I feel a certain way. Yeah. yeah. It's an unwillingness for you to receive my feelings or mm-hmm. what comes up in me or the reactions, or it's an unwillingness for me to share them and then you know 20 years of bottling and at some point that thing's going to explode yeah right so that's the other kind of that's the the part of marriage prep where it's doesn't matter if you're from a broken family or a great family there's going to be pinch points there's going to be pain points do you have mm. in confidence and mm. trust the ability to vocalize that mm. uh to share that in intimacy because yeah. there's a verbal intimacy which isn't always just poetry and flowers
0: interesting Yeah. No, that's so good. I, yeah, those human skills are so big. That's definitely where I think a lot of people from broken families are lacking. And you're right too, that even if you come from an intact family, you can be lacking in a lot of these skills. But I know, um, for me learning to navigate conflict was just so difficult because I saw it handled so poorly in my family. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea how to go about it. I maybe picked up some things along the way that I should be doing, but it's so different when you're in the midst of a maybe heated argument and how do you still be respectful and get your point across but you know still love the person that you're engaging with so th- there's a lot there but those human skills i think are so needed and one of the most helpful things um, for me was just seeing spending time with like really beautiful marriages like really healthy marriages and that's something that i talk about a lot something that i'm a huge proponent of is like if you know a married couple that has a really beautiful marriage like go have dinner with them like help them around uh, help them out around the house like just kind of soak in the beauty of their family and uh, that's been beyond healing for me so in the last few minutes that we have together just want to get your advice so what what advice what encouragement would you give to uh, leaders of marriage prep who are listening right now uh, who want to improve their marriage prep programs deacon we'll start with you
2: so I, th- I think the biggest thing at the moment, we're living in a world that is very, very different from maybe where the leaders have come from. And I think this idea of relationship is, is, really needs to be fostered. Uh, if you're going to engage with a couple um, who are wanting to be married, is uh, do I have the, um, the team or, or the availability to, to journey and walk with this couple? Mm-hmm. Not to the date of their marriage, but in the, into their marriage as well and so this idea of am i going to journey with them so that we can share you know all the things that we need to share with them whatever protocol there is um that is established but this idea of i can be with you right that idea of relationship and then the other thing of course uh, as i mentioned before was how can we really encourage community right Mm -hmm. this idea of um, as a young married couple or a newlywed couple, regarding, regardless of their age, am I able to be in a um, context or a supportive community where I can be vulnerable as well, to a certain extent, you know, and, and share the hardships that I'm dealing with and And also understand that people are uh, probably experiencing them as well. So that idea of relationship and journey I think is really important rather than the conveyor belt of um, analogy of popping them on and seeing them later. Yeah, no, so good. Father?
1: And say it's over-theologizing and over-psychologizing. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not all God and it's not all, I don't know, Sigmund Freud, right? Yeah. Anyone on the Myers-Briggs can marry anyone else on the Myers-Briggs. There is no test, right? That's why the focus inventory is an inventory. There is no test that can guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think some marriage prep uh, retreats or people involved with marriage prep can say, gosh, well, I, I they get uncomfortable with the Jesus part. And so they go all communication or Good they go point. all self-help, relational self-help, whatever. And they become experts in this ism and that ism and codependency and whatever else as if there is a book or a psychological framework or structure that's just going to solve humanity Mm. or brokenness an algorithm and exactly thank you (laughs) that'd be nice and so we don't need to be solved we need to be saved Mm. by jesus but at the same time it's not all god God respects our free will. God respects our very poor decisions, but he'll always rush to our aid. And so I think for those involved in marriage prep, not just making it all about prayer, although mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't seen it to be too much all about prayer, mm-hmm. um, maybe sometimes all about just theology, theology, you know, here's I've seen uh, that, yeah. really intense, um, you know, theological terms and, and, you know, get that memorized in your head. hmm but for what, right? What we want is the couple to be able to say, Jesus, we need you. Spouse, I need you. Others, I need you. Mm-hmm. And to, ha- to just sit there in that in that vulnerability. And so that may have been to, the thing that we started about, the the Steubenville divorce rate. It, there could be a supposition that, that God's just going to save my marriage, mm-hmm. as opposed to, no, God may work through mediaries that he's put in place to draw me into greater vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why Why does God just not zap sins away on the spot, right? I, I go confess my sins straight to God. Yeah. He mediates through a priest. He mediates through the life of the church because priests can draw somebody's will more efficaciously within the sacrament of confession. It's a difference between saying, well, I know I lie, and so I'm just going to tell God and whatever, and then vulnerably saying it to a priest and saying, I lie. And then and then you run the risk of the priest maybe asking you about it, mm. right? And then the vulnerable intimacy of that, right? So, okay, where am I going with this? Not over-psychologizing or theologizing, that, that it's, um, we're trying to draw couples to be able to seek God, to seek each other, to mm. seek others, mm-hmm. and then trust that God will be involved in it. Mm-hmm. But it's not, all him—that's a heresy called occasionalism, where God, we're, you know, we're all just kind of puppets in His thing, and He's just making everything happen, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. Uh, God allows things to play out uh, in His providence; He guides its course, but He allows us to mess up at least His plan A's, mm-hmm. and uh, but then He always comes to the rescue as well if we but seek Him.
0: Hmm. Beautiful. I've heard it said that God feeds the birds, but He doesn't uh, put the worms in the nest. We need to go out and put the work in. Before I ask you guys the final question, uh, if people want to reach out to you, maybe they do work in an archdiocese or at a parish and they're doing marriage prep and they'd love to kind of learn from each of you, how
2: can they contact you? So I'm actually on the Archdiocesan website. Uh, You can contact me at um, deacon.colman at archden.org or actually my office number as well because we want to have a relationship. 303-715-3259. 303-715-3259. We'll put those in the show notes as mm. well.
1: Great. And then my email is fatherdaniel at mpbdenver.org That's for Most Precious Blood. That's I'm, the parish of which I'm pastor. Father daniel at mpbdenver.org
0: Thank you both. And it's just been such a pleasure sitting with you. The final question, you guys get the final word on this. Uh, Father, we'll start with you. What advice would you give to that couple listening right now? Because there's a lot of couples listening to this um, who maybe sees marriage prep as kind of this like necessary thing, this checklist. Like how can, what would you encourage them to do in order to like really invest in it?
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so just like I talked about, we can have a narrative of priests are busy. We can also have a narrative that paperwork is inherently bad or checklists are inherently bad. Mm. They can be misunderstood or misused. But behind every paper uh, within most paperwork is actually a a really important reality. And the reason it's been turned into a form or the reason it's been turned into something is there's some important conversation that ought to happen within Mm. that, Mm. right? And so you have this, the MB form for us, that, that parents have to testify that their their kids are marrying freely and that they haven't been married before. And it can be a little bit of a hassle, right? You, especially non-Catholic parents are supposed to go and um, get this form, bring it to a priest. Blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I just had this the other day, a non-practicing, unbaptized brother of a guy who's going to marry a Catholic, you know, came to my church and said, Hey, I need this form signed. And it was just a really good five minute conversation to say, okay, is your brother marrying freely? What's the relationship like? Has you know, has he been married before? Good, he hasn't. Okay, he's free to marry, but is he doing so freely, right? Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of insert truths into this guy's life that he can be there for his brother, not just looking good in wedding photos, but actually being present mm-hmm. to his brother's marriage. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a couple ways of going about forms. You can just sign it and say this is a hassle, or you can say, Why does the church ask me to do this? Why does the church ask me to take this inventory? Why does the church ask me to to do NFP? Why does the church why does the church want to know all these details? For the sake of love, because love is the reason for which we do anything, and sometimes we forget that. And so their marriage prep process is not a bunch of hoops to jump through behind every form, behind every piece of paper is an important conversation. And just because that important conversation doesn't get tactfully had doesn't mm-hmm. mean the church is just like feeding off of paper and trying to force people to do stuff.
2: Yeah, and uh, even segueing off that, um, yeah, first to leaders, right, um, who are going to be welcoming this, is to welcome the couples, right? Because often when we talk about forms and all this, ah, so to actually welcome and take time to welcome them and then and receive them. And, and often couples are put off by that, by, by, you know, by picking up the phone and they get someone who is, okay, what, what do you want? Um, and so for couples, I, I see this as a time, if you are, I don't think anybody has a, a plan in themselves that, you know, in three to five years, we're going we'll, to relook at this. We'll reassess, you know, do the pros and cons. (laughs) And typically when a couple is wanting to get married, they're they're in it for life, right? Um, Even though all all of the stuff that we've talked about. So what I encourage couples to do, and especially if you're a couple of faith, is to pray together. But I don't know how to. Figure it out. Or Google it. How can I pray with my spouse? I'm pretty sure there's something on there. Um, And then the other thing, if you are a person of faith and if you're Catholic, I, I, I say go to church. Right. Go and 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 to res- but I say don't just go. I want you to go meet someone, right? and that's the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and I also say to them, and try and find out father's middle name, because right? you have to have a conversation. Because you can't Google that, and so it's it's, it's those kind of little things. But to, and also to be part of the seek now to be part of the community. Like try and engage yourself if you're able to, whatever gifts they have. And then the last one is is. Are are you choosing to be faithful to each other? Of course, of course. Are you able to practice that now? Because faithfulness is, uh, or unfaithfulness, as we say, is, I I just say quite frankly, it's having sex with someone who's not your husband or your wife. And you don't want to be in the practice of that before you're married. It's not a habit to have. And so I encourage them to be faithful. So taking that time to step away, even what culture is saying today, but step away and say, can we, as a couple, not engage in sexual activity or I say any genital activity because you have to be pretty specific, There's this idea of can I truly love this other person in this way? Because in doing those th- three things often helps them to grow into a deeper intimacy uh, as well.
1: Yeah, it's not that the church is against a bunch of stuff or for a bunch of stuff. Mm. Love, especially.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the end. I know that was a long conversation, but if you want to learn more about some of the things we talked about, like natural family planning we've linked two resources in the show notes. One is a booklet called Pure Intimacy and the other is a talk called Green Sex. Both are excellent and I highly recommend that you check them out. And if you're curious about learning how to pray, we've linked a few resources in the show notes as well. Some YouTube videos and books to help you on that topic. Now, if you want practical tips on how to build a great marriage, we have a free guide for you because we all desire love that lasts, but if we're honest, most of us don't know how to build it, especially if we come from broken families. And to make matters worse, we're often discouraged by the prevalence of divorce and we fear that our own marriage will end that way again, especially if we saw our parents' marriage fall apart. In this practical guide for singles and couples, we offer a roadmap for love. The guide contains seven practical tips to build a thriving and divorce-proof marriage based on marriage research, time-tested couples, and wisdom from Christianity. And so in addition to the written guide, you're actually going to receive a free 60-minute talk on the same topic. So if you want to get the guide and the bonus talk, just go to restoredministry.com slash marriage. Again, restored ministry ministry singular com slash marriage. Just enter your name and your email and we'll send you the PDF guide in the talk. Again, that's restored ministry. com slash marriage or just click the link in the show notes. The resources mentioned are in the show notes at restored ministry. com slash seventy three. Thank you so much for listening. If this has been useful for you, feel free to subscribe. And if you know someone who's struggling from their parents' divorce or broken marriage, share this podcast with them. Always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and become the person that you were born to be.